All right, well, welcome to Cornerstone. So glad that you guys are here. Praise the Lord. If you're visiting for the first time, we're so glad that you guys are here. And we're just really trusting and praying that uh, God is going to speak to you and bless you through His Word, all of us. Um, We're going to be doing something a little different today. Pastor Bill taught from Mark a couple weeks ago, and uh, he taught on the, the different soils. And um, in the story, this is in Mark chapter 4, verses 13 through 20, Jesus is uh, giving an illustration about how His Word goes forth and the, the seed is sown. It is cast out on to the ground and there are different kinds of ground. Um, there was the wayside where the, the bird just snatched the seed up and it's gone. And this would be speaking of the enemy snatching the Word from the person's heart and nothing comes of it. There's the stony ground, the seed goes and uh, it takes root for a moment, but it doesn't last and then it dies. And then there's the thorny ground and it takes root, begins to grow, but it's choked out by the thorns. Uh, And it says this is the cares of the world and pressures and desires for other things. And then there is good ground where the seed is scattered and it produces um, great amounts of fruit. And so the question was asked, what is fruit? At the end of the service, as you guys know, um, Pastor Bill will answer questions as people text them up. And one of the questions was, what is fruit? So he said, uh, ask in two weeks. So that was my assignment. And so I'm going to talk about fruit, what that means. Um, so if you would, join with me in prayer and then we'll get into it. Father, we love You. That's why we're here. We have come to... Uh, gather together as a family and to bring you praise, to bring you honor. We have come here because we desire to learn. We want to know more about you. We want to know uh, the things that please you. We want to be able to live for you in such a way that uh, you receive honor and that uh, you receive pleasure. And uh, we want to be pleasing in your sight. So I pray that even now as I attempt to share from your word that your spirit would be here moving mightily among us. I pray that I would speak with clarity, with passion, conviction, with love. And I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be that good soil. That the Word that goes forth would go deep and that it would have a lasting and abundant effect. I I realize, Lord, that there are different soils uh, present here today just as we have seen in the Scriptures as Jesus taught us. And there are some here whom will not receive this. Uh, It will be snatched away and nothing will come of it. There are some who may receive this momentarily with joy, uh, but it will come to nothing. But my prayer is that, Lord, all of us, if not most of us, would receive, Lord, and that we would uh, embrace these things, that we would repent Lord, where we need to repent, that we would begin to obey these things, that, that we truly would have fruit in our lives, that we would be fruitful Christians, that we would have the fruit of the Spirit in abundance. And so I ask your blessing on this time. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So that was just a quick recap on where Pastor Bill left off. And uh, I would say that the context of what Jesus was talking about You're receiving Christ's words and it having a lasting effect. Jesus was talking about the different kinds of soils, the different kinds of hearts, if you will. 
And so the question was asked, what is fruit? And so um, this is pretty basic. This is elementary stuff, I think, for most of us. And so um, this message is going to be more of a challenge, I think, in that I'm going to be challenging you. Uh, We're going to call into question, how are we doing? I think most of us kind of know what fruit is and what the Bible says about it. And we will talk a little bit about that. But then from that point, it's going to be kind of the question, how are we doing? Would you say that your life is fruitful? Would you say that there is fruit, good fruit? And uh, if not, why? And what can we do? Can we get in the game? Can we, uh, can we begin to produce fruit? Uh, let, me, let me just start by saying this. These kinds of messages are difficult for people to teach because uh, I am aware, I'm sure better than you are, of my own, my own struggles. And uh, I am not claiming to be the standard here. I'm not the standard of fruitfulness. Okay, um, so I am with you guys on this, but the Bible is the standard. The, there is a standard and there is something that we measure ourselves against. And my job is to proclaim it, period. I'm not to water it down. I'm not to apologize uh, for it or about it. I'm to proclaim it to you. And we're all together in this as we seek to meet the standard. Amen? That's my aim. These are the kinds of things that I consider for myself and you know frankly at times I agonize over these things. Jesus said, "Blessed are you if you hunger and you thirst for righteousness." And uh and that's me. I was telling Pastor Bill, I was listening to a sermon the other day and I was so convicted under the weight of what this guy was saying, I just thought about ripping my shirt or something. You know, I was like, "Ah!" I don't know if you can relate with that. I mean, sometimes I just get passionate about wanting I want this. I want this. I want to know Christ. I want to know Him in a greater way. I want to be everything that, that He has called me to be. Don't you feel that way? Don't you want to know Christ like that and to have a fruit-filled life and have an effect on other people? I think we all want that. And um, So I'm, I'm right there, guys. I think about these things all the time and this is what I'm sharing with you. So, we say the fruit of something, or when we talk about fruit, we typically mean um, the byproduct or the, the end result. For instance, you would say the fruit of my hands or the fruit of my labor. When you work on something and then it has a, a finished result or a finished product, you would call that fruit, right? And the Bible speaks of fruit in that way for the Christian life. If you are born again, if you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, as God is working on you and working through you, your life will begin to produce fruit. There will be spiritual fruit. And this is what the Bible talks about. And that's kind of what we mean in a sense when we talk about the fruitful life. You are born again. God is at work in your life and He is producing something beautiful. He is producing something for His glory and He is producing something that should be a blessing to those around us. And it's for God's glory. That is spiritual fruit. So I just want to address three questions. I wouldn't normally go in this order, but this is kind of how I I felt we should handle it. First off, how is spiritual fruit produced? Secondly, what does fruit demonstrate? And lastly, what is spiritual fruit? 
typically I would just go right into that, first and foremost. What is spiritual fruit? But I think we need to start with uh, how is it produced, and you'll see why, and I kind of want to end with that. But I, uh, I'll bring it full circle, and uh, you'll, you'll see what I mean when I get there. So let's just start with how do we produce fruit? How does it happen? And I would say simply this, abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 15. Verse 4. Now what does that word even mean, to abide? Well, it means to continue, uh, which assumes that you're connected. Okay, we, we are walking with Jesus. We are connected to Him. And we continue in that way. We have a relationship with Jesus and we don't turn from the left or the right. We don't walk away. We continue on. We abide with Christ. So chapter 15, verse 4, it says, Abide in Me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless in the vine. It abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in Me. Verse 5 I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And then verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. We cannot miss this, guys. And this is where we want to start. It all starts with Jesus. It all starts with Jesus. We will not have fruitful lives. We will not produce fruit if we don't have Christ. So first and foremost, you have to have Jesus. He must be your Lord. He must be your Savior. There was nothing fruitful about my life whatsoever before Christ was in my life. Nothing at all. It was the works of the flesh. It was a disaster. There was nothing productive, nothing good, nothing beautiful, nothing helpful or encouraging to other people. It was simply a disaster. It was a mess. So when I understood that, I understood that I was separated from God in my sins and that everlasting hell, frankly, was my end. That's all I had to look for, that I lived under that torment. But when I understood that my sins could be forgiven at the cross, if I believed in Jesus Christ and the fact that He is the Son of God and that He died in my place and that if I believed in Him and turned from my sins and committed to follow Him and to walk with Him, I would be forgiven. I would be a child of God. And the, the Holy Spirit would be sent and the Holy Spirit would indwell me and the Holy Spirit would begin to lead me and to teach me and that I would begin to produce spiritual fruit and that comes by abiding. Okay, that's where we start. We have to start with Christ. But we have to continue on. We have to continue on. Now, abiding. Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter in Jude. Verse 21, it says, it says to keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. What does this mean? Keep yourselves in the love of God? Can we escape the love of God? 
Is there any way that we can be out from underneath the love of God? If you are a believer in Jesus, if you are a follower of Christ, you can't escape that. There's nowhere that you can go that His love is not. But you can, in a sense, separate yourself from the blessings of God. If we are separated from Christ in our sin, in disobedience, if we are negligent, if we, uh, if we become distracted by the things of the world or our own desires that are contrary to that of God's, um, we're not connected to the vine. And there is no fruit there. There is no growth. You know, the best way I could put it is get under the spout where the blessings of God pour out. You ever heard that before? I mean, that's it. I want to be close to God. I want to be right there with Him. And I want to experience the fullness of that. You hear me say that all the time. And that's what I'm talking about. Um, my, my dad is my dad no matter what. Nothing will ever change that. But let's just say that um, I transgressed him in some way. I stole from him. Let's just say I stole his wallet. He's still my dad. Nothing changes that. But is there something between us? Right, there, there is, is there not? I, I have sinned against my dad and our relationship is not the same. But when there's restoration, I go to my dad, I say, I'm sorry dad, please forgive me, here's your wallet, I'm sorry that I did that. And there's forgiveness that takes place, the relationship is restored and I'm right back in a, in a, in a close loving relationship with my, with my dad. But he never ceased being my dad, but his blessing most certainly would no longer be on me at that point. There would be something between us. And that's what can happen, guys. We can, uh, we can separate ourselves in a sense. So Jesus says you must abide in the vine. If you separate yourself from that, you cannot bear fruit. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. There is no fruitfulness apart from Christ. But then it says that God is glorified when we bear fruit. In John 15, verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. God is the vine dresser. Okay? He's in charge of the vineyard. He's seeing to it that the vineyard is being taken care of and that it's producing as it ought to. God is glorified when there is fruit. God is the vine dresser. God is in the business of producing fruit. It's very important to God. Fruit matters. He is glorified by that. He cares that we have a fruitful life. And then He says, you're going to be My disciple. If you abide in Christ and you are bearing fruit, then you are a disciple of Jesus. You are a follower. And someone who is a disciple of Jesus, someone who abides in Christ, is going to bear fruit. It's just that simple. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. If we are connected to Christ, if we are abiding in the vine, if we are close to Him in relationship, and we are seeking to walk with Him in obedience, and we do the things that He has commanded us to do, there should be fruit. There will be fruit. Now, what part do we play in this? Galatians chapter 6, you don't have to turn there, I'll read to you. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of, his, of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. What are you investing in? What are you giving yourself to? What are you sowing to? Are you sowing to the Spirit? Or are you sowing to the flesh? 
It's the question that we have to ask ourselves because Jesus said that if you abide in Me, then you will produce fruit. But it says here also that if we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap from the flesh. We're going to reap destruction. But if we sow to the Spirit, we reap everlasting life. So what are you giving yourself to? Are you sowing to the Spirit? Where, where are your affections? Um, in your daily life, are you spending time with the Lord? Are you seeking His face? And we're going to talk more about that in a minute, practically speaking. Um, but is that important to you? Do you think about these things? Are you concerned about being a fruitful Christian, a fruitful follower of Jesus? Are you investing yourself in the things that are going to serve you to that end? Or are you focusing on things that uh, have no eternal value at all? Are you giving yourself to, to things that do not produce fruit? Alright, secondly, what does fruit reveal? Fruit is a revealer. Fruit is a revealer. Let me just say, fruit reveals, in keeping with the analogy of fruit, fruit reveals the tree. Right? Fruit reveals the tree. I'd like to read to you from Matthew 7, verse 15. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. So here Jesus is talking about false teachers, the, the immediate context. And He's saying, if they are a wolf, if they are a false teacher, it's going to be evident by their fruit. It's going to be evident in their message. It's going to be evident in their character. And it's going to be evident in their followers people that are sitting under this kind of teaching and their lives are shaped by it, you're going to see the effects of it. You're going to see that fruit. And you're going to know that you're dealing with a wolf. You're dealing with a false teacher. Now, that's, that's the context here. But Jesus is using this analogy of the tree. So let's say you're looking at a tree, but at this time of year there is no fruit on it. And you may wonder, I wonder what kind of tree this is. You're not really sure, but you're going to know when the season comes around and it begins to produce fruit. It's going to be evident to you what kind of tree it is. Eventually, fruit will grow and it will display. This is true of a person who professes to be a Christian. They may profess that. They may say that they are a follower of Christ. But eventually, fruit is going to show up. And if it's good fruit, if it's fruit that glorifies God, if it's the kind of fruit that the Bible talks about, you're going to have a pretty good reason to believe, yes, I am a Christian. Or yes, that person is a Christian. If everything about them screams otherwise, if it's all bad fruit, if there's no good fruit, if there's no biblical fruit, then you have good reason to think maybe they're not a Christian. Maybe you're not a Christian. You have to ask yourself that. The Bible says we ought to examine ourselves to see whether we're really in the faith. Now, this is not me trying to discourage people or cause you to doubt your salvation. Nothing like that at all. But we can't play around with matters like this. We have to know that we know and we ought to have assurance. And the Bible says that we can have assurance. So fruit is a revealer. How are you doing? 
Would you say that you're producing spiritual fruit? Is your life fruitful? What kind of tree are you? Now let me just say this. Some bad fruit is natural. We know that in keeping with the analogy. And in John 15 it says that there will be pruning that takes place so that there can be more fruitfulness and better fruit. Nobody has it all together and we're going to have areas of struggle. And it's not my attempt to... um, You know, we have believers that, that really are struggling. But they are believers for sure. And the, the, the struggle is real, is it not? And I'm not trying to condemn somebody or cause them to doubt their salvation if they should not doubt that. Um, you know, let me just say this. I've had people who come to me and they're struggling like crazy and they're really discouraged or they're nervous or scared and then they tell me that they're struggling, they just can't get victory in this area, and they're really worried maybe they're not even a Christian, and I would say to them, you know what, I would be really encouraged by the fact that there's a struggle. Because if you're not struggling, that's a bad sign. Okay, because there was no struggle in my life before I was walking with Christ. I just gave myself fully to sin. There was no struggle there, right? There was no battle between uh, sin and righteousness. But if there's something in you that desires righteousness, that is not natural of the flesh, okay? So if there's a battle that's happening, given you may lose at times, you may give in and and fall short of that, um, that's actually a good sign to some... You following with me? You tracking with me? I'm just trying to tell you we all struggle, we all fall short, and we're going to experience that. And I'm not trying to scare people or condemn you necessarily. Well, I'm not trying to condemn you at all. But um, you understand. But there are some people who have no business believing that they're a Christian. They just don't. And those, I've noticed that those people tend to be quite arrogant about it. Um, they are living in brazen sin. There is no grief. There is uh, no remorse. And, and, and frankly, they can be quite cocky about it. And, uh, oh, I know I'm saved. I prayed a prayer one time. Don't tell me. Right, that person shouldn't have that kind of confidence. That's scary. And that's what fruit fruit is a revealer. And that's why we want to pay close attention to fruit. We want to consider how are we doing? Where are we at? We've talked about how we have fruit, and that comes through Christ and Him alone abiding in the vine, abiding in Jesus. We've talked about what fruit demonstrates. It demonstrates the tree. Are we who, we who we claim to be? How can we know? We have to inspect the fruit. And lastly, now I want to talk a little bit about what is spiritual fruit. What is fruit? And I would say uh, you kind of see it in two ways. Character and conduct. Character and conduct. So I want to take you through a few Scriptures here. And I want to start with the fruit of the Spirit. I guarantee most all of us in here have heard this. We know the fruit of the Spirit. They sing the little songs in children's ministry. We've all heard it. Uh, I'm going to read it to you. uh, And I'd like to make some comments in addition to that though. So first off, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. 
So the fruits of the Spirit, the evidence that the Spirit is in a person, is character. It's character. Now, I would say that there are more than just what you see in this list. Uh, I was reading a book called The Practice of Godliness, and the guy makes the point. No doubt uh, the fruits of the Spirit are not limited to this list. Any quality that the Bible esteems as great would fit in this category. So I'll read. There's more. Holiness, humility, compassion, forbearance, contentment, thankfulness, considerateness, sincerity, perseverance. All of these are good qualities. And these are things that we would hopefully be characterized by on some level. But none of us are perfect at all these. Am I right? I mean, I could think, you know, just going down this list. Hey, I'm doing all right here. Pretty good there. I feel like I do all right there. Definitely kind of struggling in this area. And we're not going to have it all together. But these are the kinds of things that we would hope people would see when they look at us. There was none of this in my life before Christ. It was totally contrary to that. Let me just say this. You're going to hear people talk about what a Spirit-filled life looks like. And sometimes you would get some radically different uh, answers. And some people put a lot of emphasis on spiritual gifts. And some people, when, uh, you know, I've, I've had dear Christian brothers and sisters where in their church, a marker of being filled with the Spirit would literally be running laps around the perimeter of the sanctuary during worship. You know, I'm not even joking. They're going to be like running in place. They're getting fired up and then boom! I mean, they just start running. I mean, that's just one example. And that seems crazy to us. That seems silly. And, and there's a, a huge list of these different um, manifestations or demonstrations of what a Spirit-filled individual looks like. But I would have to disagree with that. I think the Bible makes it clear what a Spirit-filled individual is and it says that a person who is filled with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, is this. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's kindness. It's faithfulness. It's self-control. Those are the markers of a Spirit-filled believer. Amen? I mean, that's the evidence right there. It's all in character. Um, so the next one, now I'm just going to read a couple different Scriptures where we find the word fruit. Uh, because there are a few scriptures where um, as it goes through, you actually see the word and it, it's typically in regard to some aspect of fruitfulness. And there, uh, there are a few different kinds. So I want to take you through this list and uh, let's just kind of consider where we're at. So I started with the fruit of the Spirit, generally speaking, character. I kind of went over this list, talked about how that's really the marker of someone who's filled with the Spirit of God, who's fruitful. But one I really want to hit on here uh, that I mentioned in this list is holiness. Holiness. Um, first off, let me just say this. It's the Holy Spirit, right? So it would only make sense that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, a fruit of that is going to be holiness, right? And we want to be a church that is marked by holiness. We want to take that seriously. We want to live for that. We want to be marked by it. Romans chapter 6, verse 20 says, But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. 
For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. I had rotten fruit in my life before Christ. It was bad, but I've been set free from that. And now I have fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. So we ought to be a people marked by holiness. And I will say that I I feel like when you try to talk to people about personal practical holiness, righteous living, righteous character, righteous conduct, people in the day and age that we live are so quick to cry out legalism. Oh, now you're just being legalistic. That's just legalism. And one question I would ask is, well, what does practical personal holiness look like to you, you know? Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Holiness is a big deal. He says right here, without it, no one will see the Lord. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have to be holy, otherwise you're not going to make it to heaven or you won't be saved. But what he's saying is, this kind of holiness, it's required and it comes from knowing Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, if you are born again, you're going to be marked by holiness. You have a desire to be separated from the garbage and the filth of this world. And you have a desire for purity. You have a desire to walk in the light. You have a desire to be like Christ. Holiness is a very real concern for us. Okay? Does that make sense? You tracking with me? And that is definitely a fruit of the Spirit. Holiness. I just want to say about the legalistic thing... um, Legalism is keeping the law so that you can be saved in its simplest form. That's what it is. If I do A, B, and C, I can earn favor with God. That's what legalism is. And I don't think anybody in this room is struggling with that. I don't think we think, okay, or I don't think we would be teaching other people that. I think we understand that uh, salvation comes by faith. We believe, we trust. We, uh, we surrender ourselves to God and we believe that it's all grace. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. It was the gift of God so that I could not boast. That's where my salvation comes from. But because of that, I long for, I hunger for, I thirst for righteousness. It says to be holy because our Lord is holy, right? He said, be holy as I am holy. So are we marked with holiness? Do we have stuff in our lives that need to go? Alright, next one. Good works. Good works. Colossians 1.10 That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Works, that is a fruit. Okay, uh, we're saved by grace, but we ought to be about good works. And the Bible says that faith without works is dead. Meaning that if you have true, genuine, saving faith, then good works will absolutely follow that. We will be marked by good works. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says this, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So I want to take a moment, and we're going to be wrapping up here in just a minute. So just hang in there with me, guys. I want to exhort you to good works. I want to stir you up. The word means to provoke or instigate. I want to provoke us as a church to good works because that is a fruit of the Spirit. So what are good works generally for a Christian? What are things that we ought to busy ourselves with in the faith? If we want to say that we love the Lord and that we're abiding in the vine... How do we do that and what does it look like? Well, first off, we are people of this book. We want to meet with God and we do it in the Bible. This is is how we even know what we know about God. It comes from this. God has given us this communication of Himself. We ought to be a people who love this book. But we don't just have Bible studies for the sake of gaining knowledge. We ought to be people who live out what we know about this book. Alright, we read it for the purpose of living it, for obeying it, for being like Christ. We ought to be people who pray, people that are marked by prayer, fasting. That's something that we don't talk a lot about, but praying and fasting, foregoing something that the body needs to put emphasis upon what the Spirit needs and to take that time and set it aside for God and to seek His face and praying and fasting. We ought to be a people who praise. We sing to the Lord. We worship. We pour our hearts out with thanksgiving and adoration. We ought to be people who serve the Lord. We serve God. We serve Him in the church. We serve Him in our home. We serve Him in our community. We are servants of the Most High God. We ought to be a people who give. Are you giving? Are we generous? Are we giving to the church? Are we giving to the needs of people in our community? Are we giving to the needs across the seas to missionaries and and people who are out serving the Lord radically? Evangelism. Are we sharing our faith? Is our faith having an effect on other people? Or did it just stop with you? You know, in our workplace, are we talking to people about the Lord? In our neighborhoods, are we talking to people about the Lord? We'll talk more about that in just a moment. So just a few more I want to hit. Just a few more. Um, Another one that I've already hit on some of these, but financial giving, Romans 15.28. Actually, I'm sorry. I I kind of jumped ahead there. I want to drop back. I'm not done yet. In regards to good works. I kind of gave you a general sense in which uh, things that we ought to be marked by and that, that list I just gave you. And frankly, that's something that our church ought to be marked by. Something that we as a congregation are busy doing. That's a good list. I would encourage you to write that down. Read, pray, fast, praise, serve, give, evangelism. Talk to me afterwards. I'll go through that list with you again if you need. Um, that's something that we ought to be marked by. That is what the church of Jesus Christ does. That's, that's just part of it. And all that under the Great Commission. But I'd like to give some specific exhortations to this body right here. Cornerstone, Napa Valley. I love you guys. And I, I love gathering with you here in the sanctuary, outside of the sanctuary, 
and all the gatherings. And, and some of you are doing exactly what you should be doing, man. Right on. You are right where you ought to be. And some of us aren't. Some of us are, are, are lacking in certain areas. And I think we know that. We all know that. Um, and I, I hear people talk about it. We talk about it in leadership. We talk about it in the, uh, amongst the body. Um, there are areas where we could step it up and, and, and express more commitment. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to provoke you guys to good works. I'm trying to stir you up. I want to see some fruit in this area. We're a room full of Christ followers, right? Amen. Are we a room full of Christ followers? Amen. Is that right? Well, then how come we can't get hardly any help in the children's ministry? You know, we got a few faithful people that are serving constantly, serving to fatigue, but we are constantly asking for people to step up and people aren't doing it. That ought not be. It's a room full of Christ followers, right? Uh, so we got a dear sister that is serving us faithfully, Jen Nemi, and we are blessed to have her, man. She's doing a great job. And I think all you parents, you know that. And I want to encourage you to encourage her. But are we coming alongside our sister? Are we, uh, are we helping hold her arms up as she's seeking to serve Cornerstone's children, the one whom Jesus loves so much? Jesus loves those children. You understand that, right? We ought to be serving those children. That's an important ministry. And, you know, frankly, guys, we need to see more fruit in that area. Now, this is typical of most churches. Every church that I've been in and people that I talk to, it's always the children's ministry. But you know what? That's not acceptable. Not here. Not at Cornerstone. Not in this room of Christ followers. Uh, men, you know, we got one guy that I'm aware of in the children's ministry, Matt Scott. And he, uh, he is serving and teaching the little ones. I'm encouraged by that. Come on, guys. Where are you at? Why are we leaving it to the women to have to carry that by themselves? You know, imitate Christ, uh, Matt as he is imitating Christ, you know? That's a good example. I want to encourage you guys to go after that. So seriously, don't just get convicted by what I'm saying here or be challenged and then walk away and forget it. I want to see you guys get in that children's ministry and help Jen out, you know, and be a blessing to these children. What can you bring to the children's ministry? Wednesday night service. You know, there's like a vast difference between Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Uh, I want to, you know, Pastor Bill is deep in the Word. He's putting in work because he's called by God to feed us, and he's been so faithful to that for, what, 26 years now to this church. So let's show up on a Wednesday night like we actually appreciate it, like we actually need it, like we actually believe that we need this stuff to live spiritually, right? Um, I realize some of you can't make it, but I realize a lot of you can, and you ought to be. Uh, we want to be here when the doors are open as a family of believers in the game, committed, serving, learning, loving, praising. Give, you know, we, want, we want to be in it to win it. Prayer meetings. Man, we are so not a praying church. I say that as gently as I can, but we just had a prayer meeting uh, a, like a couple of weeks ago uh, every night, and we had at best five, maybe six people at best, if not two or three, and that's counting leadership. Um, so, man, we we got to be a church that prays. When we're not praying together, what are we saying? Or more importantly, what are we showing? 
We need to be a praying church, guys. So I want to encourage us as a family. Let's get in the game. Let's come together. Let's pray in our homes, with our families, together as a body. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I won't go any further. Those are just a few things that I, that I see as a pastor in the church that I want to encourage you guys. You know, just commitment. Excitement to be here when the doors are open. And excitement to participate. Older, our older brothers and sisters have been faithful for a long time and maybe it's burning out a little bit. Maybe that fire is dying a little bit. Stir it up. Younger brothers and sisters, maybe you've never even gotten in the game. Maybe you haven't really gotten in there yet. Stir it up. Get involved. Get excited. Get committed. I'm going to close there. I had some more things, but I've pretty much said it. And I want to close with this. John 15. I want to go back to the how. Because I don't want to just leave you with, you need to do more, do more, do more. How does it happen? It happens by abiding in the vine. Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. If we're not connected to the vine, what's going to happen? Huh? Yeah, exactly. There is no life. There is no fruit. So I don't want to just give you guys a bunch of you need to do more. Uh, I want to bring it back to we need to be abiding in the vine. It all starts with Jesus. We need to know Him. We need to love Him. We need to walk with Him. And these things ought to flow out of that. So is it? You know, I want, to, I want you to really search deep and consider these things. Sow to the Spirit. Seek the Lord's face. Be fruitful. Let's be a blessing in our church, in our community, in our homes, in our workplace. Let's be fruitful Christians. Amen? Amen. Alright. Let me pray. God, we love You. We thank You for Your kindness. We thank You for Your goodness. We thank You that we can bear fruit. We thank You that we can be fruitful Christians because of what You have done. Because You saved us. Because You have filled us with Your Spirit. Lord, let us be a church that is a fruitful church, a church that's doing exactly what You've called us to do. Let us be committed to each other. Let us be committed to the leadership. Let us be committed to, uh, committed to honoring You, Father. So I just ask Your blessing. I ask Your blessing on this, this family of believers, and I ask for fruit. I pray that what I said today, Lord, went down and take, would take root and would produce much fruit for Your glory, because You're glorified when we bear fruit. In Jesus' name, Amen.